With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Mm-hmm. Reckless speculation. Yeah, it's a glorious reckless speculation Thursday edition of Mackie and Judd here. Uh, boys, so much to get to. Another fun game between the Wild and Vegas last night. Anthony Edwards goes off for 40-plus points. And uh, one of us on the show had three correct write-that-down predictions. All happened last night. One of the greatest nights in write-that-down history, which <laughs> maybe we get to. But cycle. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Needed a fourth one there. Uh, but he is our friend from the five Eyewitness News Sports Department. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams. Darren Doogie Wolfson. You can find him on the Scoop podcast. Doogie, what's going on, man? Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Happy Thursday, Phil. Good to see you, Judd. Hello, Declan. It's good to see you too, Dukes. Let's, Thank uh, you, Judd. Are you being sincere when you I'm say being that? sincere, yeah. I always okay, enjoy our conversations. All right, well. No, I'm being very sincere. Good to see sincere. you too, Judd. Yeah, thank in, you very well, much. Right. Insincere Judd doesn't oh, really care how you're doing. No, I do care how he's doing. He's my I mean, friend. He's been my friend for a long time. You care a little I think bit. there's a genuineness there. We go I, way, I, just, we go I, had way I had to get verification. I've there was a little bit of doubt, but now guy. that he says it was sincere, I take him at face value. Thank okay. you very much. All right, that's good. Okay, because we've had you. some issues with insincere Judd in the past. He, you know. he did not rear his head in this episode, okay? So, Doogie, let's. we'll get to a Fiala injury update as well, but let's just start with now that we've had a few days to to take a deep breath and digest the Vikings draft, and you've been reporting on them kicking the tires on trading up in the first round, uh, your thoughts on the Vikings' overall draft class and uh, any any inside information that you've learned in the days now since that might be interesting for fans? I really like the draft class, Phil. I'm not quite sure I would have gone linebacker in the third round, running back in the fourth round. But I understand they really like those players. I just think you could have gotten those players later. But overall, getting the Ohio State guard in the third round, that was a really good pick. Getting Smith-Marset out of Iowa. I was with Chad Greenway for a little bit yesterday. Clearly, Chad, being a former Iowa Hawkeye, was through the roof that the Vikings landed in Iowa Hawkeye. But with that 4-4 speed, he can help in the return game. Getting him in the fifth round, I like that. They fill a clear need, an obvious need in the first round. I like the idea of a succession plan at the quarterback position. So overall, I really like what they did. But yeah, it was an interesting Thursday night. When we go back one week ago tonight, you think about some of the conversations they had about moving up. 
Was it for Justin Fields? Was it for Rashawn Slater? I actually think both can be true. That at one point they tried to jump to 12 after Fields was off the board. If they had gotten to 12, jumping the Chargers, the pick would have been Slater. If they could have gotten higher than that, I think they would have taken a long, hard look at Justin Fields. Clearly, if Fields was on the board at 14, I think they would have taken him. They then moved back. I'm told on their draft board, Darisaw and Vera Tucker were pretty darn close. I actually think, though, if they had stayed at 14 with Fields off the board, that Darisaw was their pick. So to move back nine spots, to still get the guy they ultimately wanted, it worked out well. But it got tense at different moments. They ended up talking to the Raiders at one point, thinking they had to jump above the Colts at pick 21, that Darisaw would not get to them at 23. So all worked out well from their standpoint in the end. But I'm telling you, in that draft room on Thursday night, it sounds like there were some really, really tense moments. So, Dukes, uh, Mond is the pick by the Vikes in the third round. They clearly at least sniffed around um, going after Fields. And I think that they liked Lance and because at, at one point we thought Lance might get down to like 10, and he obviously got picked by San Francisco at three. Tell us this, to, to uh, backtrack to our um, discussion on Tuesday on the bonus scoop. What? Who do you think drove the interest in that position? Do, do you think it was a combination of Rick and the front office? Did Mike play a role, which I doubt? Because I, I think it's very interesting to get into the dynamic of who in that building is it has the foresight to say, we are going to need a replacement for Kirk here, and it's going to you know actually be fairly soon. Judd, let's start at the very, very top, ownership. I am told by multiple people that ownership drove the bus, not necessarily on that specific quarterback, Mond, yep. but on the idea of taking a quarterback relatively high. And if it came down to it, even taking a quarterback in the first round. But that the Wilfs didn't want Spielman to wait until round six to take a quarterback. They didn't want it to be like last year, waiting until round seven, snagging Nate Stanley. Hmm. That I don't want to call it an edict, but there was a strong recommendation from the Will family to really look strongly at a quarterback really, really high. Clint Kubiak, you know, from a scouting standpoint, drove a lot of the bus in terms of of the background checks in terms of being at pro days, you know, interviewing these, these quarterbacks. So certainly Clint Kubiak had a lot to do with how they stacked their board. But I'm just telling you, Judd, I have it from, from multiple angles, strong angles, that it was the Wilfs more than anyone internally saying, hey, it's time for us to have some sort of succession plan. You guys, this is the Wilfs talking to Mike, to Rick, to Rob, to Jamal, to others hey, you really need to take a long, hard look at some of these upper echelon quarterbacks. So is, is it fair to say that the way that Kirk Cousins' contract is structured, which it's just all sorts of ironclad money, that you, you and, and you don't have a 10-year contractual window to move money around like the Chiefs have right now with um, with Pat Mahomes, is it fair to say that whatever conversations they did or didn't have with Kirk this offseason, that the fact that they're going in and they haven't touched his cap number this year which means it's all coming to a head next year, that 
we're reaching the end of the Kirk Cousins era one way or another here, Doogie. Is the writing on the wall for that now, or is it too early to say that? I think we've hit a point where the Wilfs are a bit tired of cutting those big, fat checks to Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, depending on how this year plays out, could we be potentially talking about an end date with, with Kirk as soon as this time next year, even before this time next year, like in 10 months, like next March? Possibly. Now, let's not forget he has the guaranteed money for 2022. But inevitably, there's always a team or two seeking a quarterback. He would be a clear upgrade for a lot of franchises. So do I think if the Vikings wanted to, they could trade Kirk Cousins in 10 months? Yeah, I think they probably could. But let's see, right? Like, let's see how Mond responds in training camp in the preseason. I know that's a cop-out. I get that. But, like, we still need to be sure, right? Like, internally, they think Kellen can do it. But I think we need to see it, right? We need to see it at camp in the preseason. We need to hear some good things September, October, November in practices. You know, we don't have access to their practices, but you talk to enough people over there, you get some vibes either way that the hope would be, you know, come November, December, that they have a healthy opinion that if they want Mon to be their guy as soon as opening day 2022, that we would start to hear some of that chatter. So let's see how it plays out. But, like, I don't think the Wilfs right this second are saying, hey, let's extend Kirk. Let's keep paying him millions upon millions of dollars that that even to the point of deep down, do the Wilfs really think NFC Championship game, key third down, is Cousins the guy to make that big-time throw? Now, my comeback to that is, How different is the New Orleans playoff game where he made that big-time throw to Adam Thielen late, right? So he's done it in in some capacity, but I still don't know if the Wilfs fully believe that Kirk is that guy to make that big-time throw in an NFC championship game, all the while as they continue to cut him these big, fat checks that, that at least have some sort of succession plan in place that if they need to cut the cord, as soon as 10 months from now, that there is a plan there. This is so potentially juicy, and I love it, and here's why. And and by the way, it's juicy, and I respect it. So the Wilfs are actually doing a very good job here. And so if if the edict to draft a quarterback sort of started there, Dukes, the Wilfs are doing a very good job of basically saying, Rick and Mike – you're signed for three years, starting with 2021. We believe in you. Build your thing here, but get us a quarterback too, which is o- almost them doing what they should do, which is saying we're going to take care of as best we can the long-term franchise and the roster and the key spot on the roster. And if you're here to develop Kellen Mond, awesome, that's great. And if you're not, that's fine too. So, like, I love the. I love the potential thought process here of them basically having Rick draft a quarterback who might be the quarterback for Rick and Mike's successor, but it's still the smart move to get a guy in the building who can start down that path as as well. So I love the two-track thought process here, which is one, you build your team, we give you your defense, right? But track two is if it doesn't work and Kirk does not work and ultimately you guys get fired, we at least have a starting point for a potential QB. It's actually, to me, incredibly smart. 
It's very smart. It's something, frankly, Judd, they should have done a couple years ago. That this was a long time coming, that it should have happened at least a year ago, if not two years ago. Now it could go the other way. Like I was talking to Hugh Jackson earlier this week, talking wow. to Greenway wow. yesterday. Look at, you. Look at yeah, you. Hugh Jackson will be on the next Scoop podcast. Tell, tell him the I'm story sure about a lot Hugh of Vikings Jackson. fans are like, <laughs> keep him as far away from the Vikings as possible. He actually <laughs> talked to Zim about the offensive coordinator position, said Zim was incredibly transparent, that Zim didn't want to mess with the offense, that, that once Gary Kubiak walked away, it always made logical sense just to elevate his son keep everything in place that if you came in they would have mixed things up a good amount but Hugh and Mike had some dialogue about the OC position but Hugh ended up training Kellen Mond pre-draft for three months so I ended up talking to Hugh mostly about Kellen but we turned the corner on a couple Vikings other Vikings talking talking points and he made the point that a pissed off Zim is a really good Zim Greenway backed up Hugh Jackson's comments when I was with Greenway yesterday that that you know Zim is so pissed off the way the defense played last year that there is something to be said about odd number years, right? Zim comes in 14, doesn't make the playoffs. 15 makes the playoffs. 16 doesn't. 17 makes the playoffs. 18 doesn't. 19 makes the playoffs, wins a playoff game. 20 doesn't make the playoffs. That here in 21, the odd number theme will continue that Zim and the Vikings find a way to make the playoffs. So what if... Kirk has another really good year. I don't think anybody would debate that that Kirk was good last year. He was. In many ways, Kirk was great last year. That what if Kirk even takes another? Maybe it's not a giant step. I think that would be that would be probably pretty crazy to think, but a minor step up that he doesn't regress. Yeah, that he doesn't regress here in 2021. That the Vikings are in a position to make a run come January. Then in that instance, Kirk is here in 2022, and we'll see how this thing plays out. But, yeah, Judd, they needed to have – I'm not suggesting, like, there's a steadfast expiration date now on Kirk Cousins. You could certainly make that point. I'm not going to necessarily argue with you that there is now a hardcore expiration date on Kirk, but there had to be a succession plan in place. So I'm with you, Judd that it was very, very smart. I just wish they had done it maybe a year or two ago. Doogie, um, how bad is the Kevin Fiala injury? Not bad at all. Minor, minor, minor hip flexor. Like, he actually, he could have played last night. It is nothing to worry about. He'll be okay. Four regular season games to go. We don't even know when the playoffs are going to start. Like, we were trying to plan out some stuff in the TV sports office so the last regular season game is one week from today, right? May 13th, Thursday the 13th, they close the regular season against St. Louis. I was curious, will the playoffs start as soon as Saturday, May 15th? Yeah. Or because of the Vancouver COVID shutdown and all the games they need to make up, are they going to push back the playoffs for everyone? So could the Wild actually end up waiting like six or seven days? Like, might the playoffs not start until May 20th or May 21st? I'm fascinated by that. But what I'm getting at is if you're a Wild fan, if you're a Kevin Fiala fan, there is absolutely nothing to worry about when it comes to his availability for the start of the playoffs. In fact, I would not be shocked if he's back in the lineup tomorrow night. Dukes, I I think the expectation right now is to stagger the start of the playoffs. So I think the three divisions outside of the North are going to start earlier, and then they're going to allow the Canadian division to finish up and then start them. 
So I think it's okay. going to be. So I don't think it's so going it to be, be a ridiculous as as layoff. It might be as May 16th. So mm. they That's wrap up the regular yeah. season on the 13th. The Wilds may have game one. It looks like probably Colorado. I guess maybe there's still a tiny chance it's Vegas. But game one, you know, 75% likelihood. Wild avalanche, I guess, you know, we need to figure out if it'll be in Denver or here. Maybe a slight lean toward game one in Denver. But it's looking like maybe as soon as the 15th, or 16th, is that what you're alluding to, Jeff? Yeah, yes. Okay, yeah, good. Well, I think that's a good thing for the Wild. I mean, I don't think, especially after their COVID layoff and then that first game back in L.A., like the last thing the Wilds want to do is sit on the couch for five or six days before game one of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, You know, hockey's a dangerous sport, boys. It's a dangerous sport, and so you're going to want someone to help you with risk management. Federated Insurance has been helping businesses with risk management and uh, peace of mind for a long time since the early 1900s, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. They are one of us, and they have supported uh, local Minnesota sports teams for a number of years as well. So uh, if you're at that intersection, Minnesota sports fan business owner, Federated Insurance has a full list of industries they protect at their website, federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Uh, Speaking of risk management, how is uh, Alex Kirilov, how bad is that wrist injury from what you're hearing, and how long could he be out for? It sounds like... Multiple specialists and second opinions to me equals surgery. So uh, what's the status there? Well, so he had a wrist injury back in 19. Back in 19, he saw one specialist who led him down a negative path, ended up seeing the second specialist, this Dr. Graham in the Dayton, Ohio area, that, that fixed him pretty good, that this is the specialist He'll see, I believe it's tomorrow afternoon. So the Twins play today a day game against Texas. Then they fly to Detroit for this weekend series. Alex will be on the airplane later today. Then he'll drive from Detroit to Dayton, Ohio, to see this Dr. Graham. I can just tell you for what it's worth. Now, it could all change once Dr. Graham you know, sees Alex. But somebody close to Alex told me that Alex has told this individual that he doesn't feel like that, that this is a major injury. Now, could 10 days end up being 15 or 20 or a little bit longer? Sure. But from Alex's standpoint, at this point, he doesn't feel like that this is a really long-term injury. Okay. Dukes, with the uh, twin start now, continuing into May and being awful, do you sense or from the people that you've talked to that there is any plan here to go and try and get some bullpen help or something like, like, because at some point in time, like it's going to go past, it's a bad start to, Oh my God, this is off the tracks now. Um, is there any scuttlebutt about plans to try and at least put a, uh, put some type of bandaid on this um, problem? Well, the best reliever out there, it wouldn't cost you prospects. You would just have to, you know, pay him is Shane green. Shane Green is a very capable reliever out there. I can just tell you, the Twins are are fully aware that he's in baseball shape, that he's been training in Phil's neck of the woods at driveline baseball in the Seattle area. I think it might be Kent, Washington, somewhere in the Seattle area. It doesn't matter. Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest. That the Twins are are well aware of that. I can't sit here and tell you that the Twins have made Green an offer. I don't even know for sure if the Twins have, have had a scout go to driveline to watch Green throw. But the Twins at least have the book that Shane Green is ready to help some team immediately. So there's at least been a little bit of chatter. Otherwise, does Oliver Perez do anything for you? He doesn't oh, do wow. anything God. for Oliver me. Oliver Perez, is this my 2003 fantasy baseball auction? That's what Oliver I'm saying. Oliver Perez. Like, who else is out there? Who's trading a reliever? 
Right I don't now. know. I'm just asking if, if they're going to try and. Oh, wait a second. Reinforcements just came in, boys. What Reinforcements just came in. Oh, you wanted pitching help? You got, got it. Who's, who, who's coming over from Devin Texas? Smeltzer has oh, been Smeltzer's recalled back. from uh, AAA Rochester. Lewis I'm Thorpe. looking for the email right now. So who went back down? Lewis, Lewis Thorpe after yeah. five good innings last night. Hey, mate. Yeah, it's been good. <laughs> I would find a way to keep starting Lewis Thorpe. But here's the thing. Okay, here's where they overthink this. And, like, we can get into some of this in our Talking Twins segment today. But so they have, at, at first, when they came in and they, they sort of used, they had a taxi squad before it was cool, right? Like four years ago where if a guy, if a, if one of your three worst relievers threw 40 pitches, they just option out and bring somebody else back in. They have jumped the shark with that now. Sending Cody Stashak out like three weeks ago. It's like he's one of your best strikeout relievers. Right? I'm not saying he should be your closer, but like they are so quick. So Lewis Thorpe probably can't pitch for a few days now. But he might be available out of the bullpen in like three days if you need him. And so they're, they're so quick to take Thorpe, Stashak, Good, like good relievers that can get you strikeouts, ship them out for 10 days, and then bring in guys who get shelled like Brandon Waddell and like Devin Smeltzer probably will. So they need to pump the brakes a little on this whole, like, oh, guy threw some pitches, get him out of here. He can't come back unless there's an injury for what, 10 days, right? Correct. But there's only so many guys that they trust right now. Hey, Colome, right? Two scoreless innings last night. So maybe he's got a tiny bit of mojo back. But, like, there's only so many guys, Phil. So, you know, you can't keep throwing, you know, Robles every day. So they must feel like, hey, let's just see with some of these guys. But, yeah, I mean, it's like I never saw this coming. And I'm not suggesting they're, like, cooked. I remember 06, right, 25 and 33, then finished the season 71 and 33, end up winning 95, 96 games. So we've seen some crazy things happen. But, like, when you look at Kepler, Polanco, Sano, Duffy's velocity isn't what it normally is. Taylor Rogers doesn't have a wipeout pitch anymore all of a sudden, although maybe that reverts back to last year. But, like, Taylor Rogers used to have some strikeout ability. I don't see it right now. Colome's regression. Like, it's hard to look and say there's reasons to be overly optimistic, even though they're only five games out of the division lead, albeit in fourth place. You know, it's a three-way tie there at the top of the division. Really, when you look across the landscape of, of baseball, like who's running away with anything, right? The Dodgers are two games over 500. The Giants are a pleasant story. The Mariners in your neck of the woods, Phil, are a nice little story. But it's not like anybody. And the Red Sox seem to be a pretty good story when the expectations were pretty low preseason. But it's not like anybody is running away with anything. But the Twins have so many guys that you put a big, giant question mark over. I just – I can't sit here and, and tell you. And I was preseason. I predicted them to win a third consecutive division championship. But at this point, like, I just – I don't see the reasons to be real optimistic yeah. right now. All right, we got to fly here, Duke. So give us uh, just a few rapid-fire scoops to, to close out the segment. So I mentioned, I think, as, as recently as last week, if you're in the thoughts and prayers – Say some for Tom Curvers, the wild assistant general manager, inoperable lung cancer, continue to do that. Also for former Vikings head coach Jerry Burns. Burns, he's 94 years old. He's lived one heck of a life. But if you're into thoughts and prayers, say one for Jerry Burns. Steph Mitchell, the Shakopee native, the Boston College basketball transfer, really good player for multiple years in the ACC. The Gophers, from multiple angles, continue to work on him hard, 
The Gophers are in his final four. I'm told the Gophers have good vibes. He is testing the NBA pre-draft process, but do I think Mitchell is going to stay in the NBA draft? No, I think he'll play another year of college. I think the Gophers have a really good chance to land the Boston College big man. If he comes here, he would be their starting center. Steph Mitchell would play a lot of minutes for Ben Johnson next season. The Gopher baseball series is canceled for this weekend. A home series at Siebert Field against Ohio State. The Gopher baseball program has some COVID issues. We wonder about John Anderson's future. This is year, what, 40 with the Gophers. Unbelievable run for John Anderson. His contract is up this summer. I talked to Mark Coyle a couple weeks ago for a while. For what it's worth, Coyle says he would like John to continue on as Gophers coach, that they have had some chatter about a contract extension. Right on. That's Darren Doogie Wolfson. The, uh, I would say... Speculation. Informed speculation, uh, Sherpa here as we recklessly speculate. Oh, he's a Sherpa now. Sherpa. He is. Congratulations, he really is. Sherpa. Yep. Cool. Well, I appreciate Inside. that. One more. One more, by the way. Mm-hmm. We'll have some news later today on whether Malik Beasley can get back in the lineup for the Wolves. They only have a few games to go, but he's made really good progress. We should know more later today on the Beasley front. And I continue to wonder about the Glenn Taylor, A Rod, Mark Laurie talks. I think, if anything, the window, this this 30-day window, just gets extended. I mean, there's no reason to believe either side is walking away, but uh, the chatter has been minimal since April 8th when all the news came out. So that 30-day window is expiring pretty soon, but I would not be shocked if they just extend the window. Right on. That's Darren Doogie Wolfson. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams, 5 Eyewitness News, and the Scoop Podcast. And you can find him every Tuesday and Thursday on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. All right. Good stuff, Dukes. See you, Dukes. Thanks for jumping See you, boys. Man. All right, great stuff. Reckless speculation. Enjoy a weed-free summer at the lake, courtesy of Aquaside. One easy application of Aquaside pellets can eliminate weeds and lake muck. Aquaside has been trusted by hundreds of thousands of lake homeowners since 1960. Neglecting aquatic weeds can hamper recreational activities like swimming and boating. Lake weeds can also provide breeding habitats for insects. Make your lakeshore beautiful this summer with Aquaside. Call 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. We're gonna win twins. Maybe. We're gonna score. Nope. When things are going well, you find ways to get it done. You find ways to win games. Um, and it's not always pretty. You know, it's not always about... Uh, hitting homers and, and throwing shutouts and things like that. But you find ways to put it together. And, and we, we through, you know, a month plus, um, we haven't been able to do that. And, and that's something that uh, it's not one thing that you put your thumb on and go, that's it. You know, it's been it's been a kind of a different combination of, of you know, types of games that we've played. <laughs> Hmm. All right, that's poor Rocco, man, just explaining away <laughs> another loss after the game. Um, I have a question for you guys, but let's throw some love to our friends at Dennis Kirk. So Dennis Kirk has been powering these talking twins discussions all season long. They didn't know it was going to be such a bumpy ride. I don't think any of us did through no. the first month, but whether it's a bumpy ride with the twins or if it's a smooth ride on your Harley, your sport bike, if it's uh, if it's riding you like to do, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Order by 8 p.m. They ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free on orders over $89. Truly the best in the business. 
unlike the collection we're watching at Target Field, Dennis Kirk rises to the moment at Dennis Kirk. Dot com everything you need for your ride Dennis smooth rides smooth rides with Dennis Kirk yeah the baseball not with the team, twins bullpen not, not yeah. so much <laughs> so okay last night toward the end of the game someone snuck down into the Champions Club I don't know how like the Champions Club I feel like is pretty fortified like it, you can't just bring cardboard tag board signs it's right? the equivalent of like the Fort Knox of baseball stadium sections like it's hard yeah. to get I, I I've even used my press pass and they've had to try to stop me before I'm like no like I I, I am okay, allowed Sid, in here. That yeah. was a Sid Hartman trick. He used yeah. to sneak in actually, with his press not, pass and just actually keep the, you're the, not. The every day. They they finally <laughs> drew the line there too and said you can't use your press pass to get into there because we had certain people they will not be named who were Sid. doing exactly that. I, I think Dark started too. Oh, that makes total sense. I think Dark. Yeah, Dark would. I Dark, Dark would, you could just be watching the game and Dark would be sitting like right behind yeah. home plate. <laughs> I think that was uh, once in a while some press pass usage as well as probably tickets. Oh, hey, man. God. Hey. Just flash the badge. Okay. But someone snuck down with a fire, a gigantic fire Rocco sign yeah. behind home plate. I'm looking at it right now. How much is Rocco specifically to blame for the Twins' miserable start this year? How much can you pin on Rocco? Okay, Rocco has had a very bumpy ride himself. He has not been good. He has made questionable decisions. I think the decision, if it ultimately uh, fell to him, and I think we have to assume it did, to bring in Waddell a couple nights ago was still terrible. His bullpen's not good, I get that, but there were better choices. And a guy who just got lit up the night before by basically the same guys was probably going to fail. So I am not absolving him. But I'm also looking at, and this surprises me too, Phil. I mean, I predicted this team was going to win 96 games. When you look at the lineups. Is that, that mathematically possible? Anymore? I don't. It was one of my worst predictions of all time. Um, when you look at the lineup right now and you look at, you know, to go back to our conversation with Patrick yesterday with Kepler and Polanco and the fact uh-huh. that these guys are continuing to not play well. And when you look at the bullpen and the fact that there's no question the front office got cute there, like the front office just thought, oh, we'll bring more guys in. It'll be great. Yeah. We'll be fine. Um, so Rocco is definitely to blame. I don't like how Rocco sort of seems lost right now. Like I was hoping the first big slump, he'd be like, oh, I've got some answers. I don't feel like he does. So he does take blame here, but you have to look upstairs as well. I mean, to be fair, Falvey and Levine have to take some of the blame as well. And this is incredibly disappointing. Final thing, too, is, I mean, Phil, the lineup that they're going to put out there today, uh, as we record this a couple hours before they play game four of the series against the uh, against Texas, who, by the way, they stand to lose three or four to if they lose Thursday's game, is not a good lineup. Like, it's just not. It's not that good. So Rocco takes blame. Rocco's had a really bad year. But this is not a juggernaut that he is um, driving into the ground. This is an incredibly disappointing team, and there's a lot of blame to go around here, including players. Yeah, Rocco, I don't think Rocco has helped in a lot of these situations. Like, I, there's been some bullpen management things and just some strategic tactical things you know, Blankenhorn at second base. And some of this he's going to be like, well, these are the guys that are on my roster right now. And so, yeah, but like, do you have to pull Josh Donaldson from a close game that you're going to need defense, right? Just because you're, you you want to get an extra step with a pinch runner and extra innings, right? Stuff like that where I think he's, I think he's overthinking, overmanaging, and, 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 and in terms of some of these bullpen situations, leaning too much on what the spreadsheet and the, and the analytics would say. But, um, 
when you zoom out, you know, last night, again, Jorge Polanco, 0 for 4, three strikeouts. Dude is batting 208 with like a 570 OPS. Good. Max Kepler, 0 for 4, three strikeouts. Dude's batting 197 with about the same OPS, almost exactly. And so you've got key players that were great for the Bomba squad two years ago. What mm-hmm. the hell happened? Is it as simple as, well, the ball's <laughs> different now, and so... You know, these guys are just incapable of getting a hit or getting on base anymore. You know, look at, you could argue that three of your best hitters a couple of years ago were Polanco, Kepler, and Sano. And those guys were batting at the bottom of your order last night because they're just flailing and searching for anything offensively. So, you know, where is the young nucleus? The young nucleus that we thought was good. You, you thought two years ago. Buxton was the one that was dragging behind a couple of years ago. He's the American League MVP, him and Mike Trout right now. Yep. You know, that group that we saw two years ago, you kind of thought, wow, these guys are all in their mid-20s. They're all having career seasons. Buxton isn't, but he's going to join the party at some point. And once he does, look out. This is like a five-year window of Polanco and Kepler and Luis Arise joined the party and Sano and Buxton. And now it's like the only guy out of that group. I mean, Arise, I trust, but... Byron Buxton's the only, really the only guy under the age of 30 right now that I'm looking at and saying, all right, that's a cornerstone that I'm sure about if he stays healthy for the next few years. Where's the, on the pitching side, we talked about it a couple days ago, Barrios, maybe Alcala. Otherwise, we're, we're sort of five years into this regime right now, and they've had some success, but it feels very piecemealed, and it feels very rickety with some of the young players that are just struggling the last two years. There are certain parts of this that, to me, and and it's not a direct parallel, but it's fairly close to me, are starting to feel like the wild team that actually won a playoff series against the Avs. And we all said, oh, man, they are coming. I mean, there's a window here, and I can go through the list if if you you two would like. I mean, you had Granlund, you had Zucker, you had Scandella, you had Coyle. And you think back, though, right? And when they beat the Avs in that series, we all were like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. And combine them with with veteran talent of Suter, Parisi, which now was what? Mm-hmm. Like guys like Cruz, right? So it's you now look back, and, and I think the excuse last summer was pretty simple. It was, well, pandemic shortened year, right? Weird year, 60 games. I mean, they, they still won the division, but some guys struggled. And you said, well, but the reason why was was because things were weird. I think there's a good chance that we're f- finding out now that 2019 was weird. Yeah. Um. And and here's the problem, Phil. It's the Twins' job, and starting with Falvey's job, if that's the case, to identify this ASAP because you're gonna have you need to pivot then. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a let's just wait for guys. This is a pivot of Mitch Garver had a career year that's not real, and and you know Polanco that's not real. Um, so this is, to me, it's not acceptable now to say, well, let's just hang back and wait and hopefully 2022 improves. You're going to have to make decisions here because the expectation rightfully so is not, I hope they're a nice ball club. This is supposed to be a good team. Yeah. Every, every baseball player that, that spends, you know, a handful or more years in the league is going to have a big season of some kind, whatever, you know, relative to their core or baseline. Right. And then you have to determine, okay, was that something that can be the norm? Multiple years, or is that the pop-up? Is that the anomaly? And sure. to your point, to, the, to, to, to to Polanco and Kepler, they've got the one big season, the anomaly. 
Miguel Sano really has like the one big season that's kind of an anomaly where he hit for a little average a couple years ago and hit like 34 home runs or whatever it was. It's the only time he's ever hit 30 home runs in a season. So you're going to, you really have to figure out ASAP because if Larnick is hot in the minors, let's say, so Nick Gordon breaking news is in the starting lineup today for Jorge Polanco in this series finale. This is Nick Gordon's major league debut. Dude was a former first round pick, uh, comes from a major league family, D Gordon, Flash Gordon, the reliever back when when I was growing up in the nineties. So what a curveball. You know, he's waited like six years to get the major league call up for the first time. He's not spectacular at anything. He hits for a little average, but he's not he's not a big power guy. He'll he'll run into a couple home runs, you know. His his career high, I believe, is like nine home runs in a minor league season. He'll steal some bases, he can play some short and some second. Put it this way, there's a reason why. He's, what, 25 years old, and he's just getting the call-up now for the first time in seven or eight years because, you know, he's he's good at some things, but he's not great. But there's an opening here. You know, if if he performs well, to, let's say he has a couple of hits or something today, and then he comes and plays in another game over the weekend, right? I mean, I know that Polanco signed a long-term multi-year deal two off-seasons back, but to me, this team, you're eight games, seven games under five hundred. If Larnick, who had a good game last night, for uh, for the Saints, and if Gordon, none of these jobs are like in terms of Kepler, Polanco. These jobs aren't secure. So no, if someone is hot, this team should look to just put that player in and ride them. Feelings and contracts be damned when you're oh, this buried in the standings. Yes, absolutely. And and you might again, you might have to look at a lot of guys that you like and, and thought that you were invested in long term and move off them. And I don't know that that you're going to get a ton for them. In fact, I can tell you right now, you probably aren't. But you need to make decisions here. And I'm not saying right this second because you don't. But as this season progresses, you're going to have to make decisions on Kepler and Polanco and those guys. Because, Phil, Kepler right now, last night, 0 for 4, struck out three of the four times, and he is batting 197. And he looks awful. And he's looked bad for a while. Like the Kepler that we saw in 2019, I don't think we've seen since. And so how long, I mean, do you just continue in perpetuity for the rest of that contract to say, I hope he comes back? Or do do you say at some point there are alternatives here and this isn't working? It is, I will say, it is so weird that a player would have a pop-up, uh, not not just like a random player. We see ran, we see the Kyle Garlicks, like guy, or Lou Ford will pop up out of nowhere and have a season, right? But like, Guys who are highly touted, top 100 prospects, Baseball America, super high draft picks or whatever, you know, however they were brought into the organization. In the case of Kepler and Polanco, they were international signings. But when they're, when, and then they start to put together a couple seasons and then boom, they have the breakout when they're like 25 or 26. It's very rare for a player of that blue chip caliber, highly touted prospect, breakout at age 25, 26. It's very rare that they just go back to being garbage in their prime. In their prime. He's in his prime right now. He's 28 years old. <laughs> I know. And he, it's like he had this monster season when he was 26, as he should have, as everyone expected him to, as he was touted to do. And two years later, he just can't hit. And Polanco just can't hit. And Sano just can't hit. Like, it doesn't make sense. 
that you would pop in your prime and then and then be just back to be like literally being unplayable. All three of these guys, so weird. It is, but it's baseball too. And and the thing that drives me crazy, mainly about executives at times in this town, is like the patience, right? Like I get it. You have to be patient. You have to see, but at some point in time, you've got to put the term small sample size in the dresser drawer and say, it's not, we're going to have to realistically at least explore alternatives and options. I, I got a question for, for you about the pitching staff, Phil, and about Rocco's philosophy, which clearly starts above him. So, because I think the, the one thing that's beginning to drive me nuts, good and bad here is we are so adamant sometimes about discussions about it's all one person's fault. Like, the Wild's great, and Dean's done a great job, but Bill Guerin is pulling strings left and right, and he should be, and that's fine, okay? That's the good portion. The bad portion is Rocco, and it all comes back to him, and he has had a bad year, so I'm not absolving him one bit, but I am saying if you don't think this begins above him, you're crazy. Do they need to start to look at, and I'm not suggesting becoming irresponsible, but this bullpen is so unreliable right now if Barrios, Maeda, Pineda, just to start with those three, if they have a good start, do they have to put aside what they think is best at times and extend them by at least an, an inning or so? So I'm not saying complete games, okay? Just to just to be to be yeah, clear, I'm not saying I'm 120 pitches. I'm asking a real not hot take question. Do they need to examine their plans with at least those three and say? If they're having a good start, we got to try and get six, maybe seven. I'm not mm-hmm. saying eight or nine, but I just don't see how you continue to run this bullpen out there like it's competent when it's not, and it's costing you games at times. Yeah, that's that is that's a great sort of topic in that they they manage the entire staff from starters down to relievers as if everyone is trustworthy, right? And it's it's time now to start. And I know that there's just not that many trustworthy guys in your bullpen. Even like Colome came in last night, pitched a couple innings, walked a couple guys again, like yes. couldn't find the strike zone. Um, but you but at some point you, you're going to have to find a better way to get through nine innings. And if that means extending your good starting pitchers by an extra fifteen or twenty pitches, now what they might say is, okay, that sounds great in theory. And maybe an extra 15 pitches in a game isn't going to make a guy's arm fall off. But got to be mindful that these guys didn't pitch full seasons last year because of the pandemic-shortened season. So it's it's been a while since they've had a 200-inning workload on their shoulders and their elbows. Mm-hmm. So I I empathize in that they're they're trying to navigate the big picture of not hurting these starting pitchers who haven't pitched full seasons for two years, sometimes even longer in the case of Pineda. Um, but also balance the fact that your season's on the brink right now, and there's just not that many trustworthy pitchers that you can go to. So maybe you do have to ride Barrios for an eight-inning start for 120 pitches if you want to lock down a close game, as opposed to turning to you know, Tyler Duffy on a back-to-back or something. Um, can I, I, I want to go back to, to Max Kepler for a second. Sure. Because there's a lot of Justin Morneau characteristics. They're both lefty, stoic, Young prodigies. Uh, Kepler's older than Morno was when Morno had the breakout finally and, and became a perennial MVP candidate. But I remember in terms of like the snap out of it moment, 
it happened, I believe, a conversation between Ron Gardenhire and Justin Morneau in Seattle in June of 2006 when the Twins were like eight games below 500. Morneau, who had a pretty good season the year before, had showed some promise. He was like 25 years old in 2006. And um, I think Gardy sat him down and said, dude, you're hitting 230. Our team is dragging. We need you to be the leader, and you, we need you to step into the shoes that you are meant to step into as a Major League Baseball player. Mm-hmm. It's time to get serious on the road. Stop going out. You're a professional baseball player. Live up to your potential, right? It was kind of a come-to-Jesus meeting. And uh, from that point forward, it was one of the great surges, really, in in Twins history of a guy going from – like maybe even being sent down. Like I don't think it was quite that bad, but like he was striking out all the time. He was batting two thirty. The power wasn't there like it should be, and he literally went from that day in June, early June, June sixth, whatever it was, and became the American League MVP because it was in there. It's in there for Kepler. I don't think he's as well rounded of a hitter as Justin Morneau was because Morneau could go opposite field. Morneau was just a great hitter. I mean, Morneau won a batting title in Colorado later in his career, right? But is there is what's the come to Jesus moment with Kepler, with Polanco, with Sano? Has there been one and they just haven't responded to it? And who like gets these it dudes have shown like they are the they have shown that they can perform at an MVP level in the past. Where is it? What's the come to Jesus moment? And who gets it from them? Donaldson, Cruz. I don't know that Rocco strikes me. I mean, Guardy for all Guardy's faults was a fiery father figure type of guy i mean i could see him sitting you down especially back then and setting things straight i don't know that rocco rocco is just as as far as personality goes he's such a live and let live guy Mm -hmm. um and i he's not into disciplining he's really not he doesn't like to he likes he really wants you to figure things out by yourself so I would guess that if there was a come to Jesus, like if Max could be pushed um, like Justin was, that it would be Donaldson, who I know is wound incredibly tight. But I mean, his at-bats are really fun to watch. He he knows he is a professional a hitter. He is a pro's pro. He's obsessed. Uh, He's obsessed. Yes. But I, I don't know if that makes him a good guy to have that conversation then or if it's Cruz. But so that's a really that's a really intriguing point, because I get what you're saying, and it might be entirely possible. I don't know who gets if Max needs to get that. I don't know who gets that from him though. And and here's the problem too: if you look up and down at the guys that are struggling now and have been struggling for quite some time, I mean, we we could play a game right now called called fluke or rally because there are some guys on here that are going to have been. I mean, no, I'm serious. 2019 is going to have been a fluke. Like it's just we're we're gonna have to decide here who basically had a career year, juiced ball, things were great, and they're never coming back to yeah. be that player again. Polanco, like, Polanco also had the benefit. He Not only did he have a juiced ball in 2019, but he also was on some sort of performance-enhancing substance the year before. And I don't know. It's just like how do you gauge a guy that got popped for a performance, especially a hitter? You know, yeah. like, like Pineda got popped, but I don't know. That was like for a diuretic. I think I he was know. trying not, not to be fat, which I appreciate okay. greatly. <laughs> like, I think he was just a fat just like, man. Just like Pat and Kevin Williams. Pat hey, Kevin, we got yeah. to make weight for the, for the Star caps. Here. Yeah. 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 But if you're a hitter and you're on performance enhancers, I mean, Ryan Braun wasn't useless after he got popped. Yeah. But Ryan yeah. Braun was not the same hitter after he got popped. Right. And it's, uh, it's too bad. Uh, we'll, oh, by the way, we're going to get to some old 
tweets exposed here in a second, yeah. which Declan's very happy about. I like this. But I think, I think the season, it's not over yet. But but these last two losses to the Rangers, as you had the momentum a little bit. You start winning, you win a series against Kansas City. You won a couple games the week before, and and then you beat the Rangers in the first game, and it's like, all right, now things are settling in. Now this team's going to get back to five hundred. And that blown loss the other night, followed by the dead ass performance they put out yesterday, bases loaded, nobody out, like they just can't get out of their own way. And now they're right back to eleven and eighteen. I mean they. They legitimately had a chance to be like thirteen and sixteen right now, right? Yep. And it's and now it's like okay, thirteen sixteen. Let's get the Rangers one more time, and then let's go forward. Now we're almost back to five hundred, and now you're staring up seven games below five hundred again, getting into into May here. And it's just it is it's such a hole to climb out of. But I'm gonna give it till the end of May to officially call it over. Because baseball is a long season, and there are some bats that should, in theory, wake up, but it is looking very bleak right now. My guy, uh, my guy, Mitch Garver might be waking up here, having a nice little week of baseball. Look out, Mitchy Garver, Mitchy, Mitchy, yeah. Mitchy. Six bombs now. Yeah, he is at times, but I don't know. I trust him anymore. Mm. I think we might be done. Well, listen, if, 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 I, he doesn't need to do a whole lot. All right, he doesn't need to hit three hundred. Just run into a ball once a meanwhile, And meanwhile, the Cleveland bleeping Indians, boys, are are in a three-way tie for first place in the Central with the White Sox and KC. And in run differential, they're only a plus seven. You know, they have an amazing pitching pipeline there. The Twins should really look into hiring someone from the Cleveland (laughs) Indians pitching pipeline. Isn't this what's supposed to be happening here? Isn't the, (laughs) but where are the pitchers? Like, that's what, that drives me crazy. The White Sox are plus 36, but their manager keeps screwing them and they got guys hurt. It's hilarious. Tony Tony LaRusso didn't know the the rules. Like, he had Liam Hendricks running at second base and the extras last night. And he's making bizarre, (laughs) and he's making bizarre moves. If if I'm telling you, if they had hired a competent manager, I think the White Sox could have a great chance to run away or could have. And this thing now is going to be it's good. It's good. It's going to go down to the wire because Tony's going to screw up so much. And they've got guys hurt. Their pitching is so absurd, though. I mean, yes. like Carlos Rodon, Dylan, oh, Seas, these dude, like Lance Lynn. These guys have all come around. I'm sorry. All at the same time. Here. Well, yeah. Lance, Lance Lynn, Lynn, your guy, your number I, one fan. I, Judd. I, number one you, fan. Honestly, like I can't stand him, but people, he's good. I'm going to say I, this I to Judd and to everyone. OK, Lance no, Lynn is a great pitcher and he's been he's been in the league for like 10 years. One bad year with the twins and everyone here. It's like. I don't know. Part of it was Lance Lynn coming in with a bad attitude, but also right. part of it might have just been, oh, maybe maybe the Twins weren't uh, the greatest greatest team to be around that year or mm-hmm. something. Like Lance Lynn is a great pitcher, so we need to stop mocking him every time he does something good. Lance Lynn is very good. He also was a major a hole, which really will forever color how I feel. You know what? I wouldn't either, except for the fact that he was so bad here. Josh Donaldson might be that way too, but yeah. we don't know. Don't really we, we don't know. All right, let's get to some old tweets oh. exposed here. Every single Thursday, Declan mm. goes back into the internet archives and exposes Judd and I for the frauds right. that we are. You know what? All right, what do um, we got this time? I'll, I'll self report. I will start here. Um, we're going to go in chronological or reverse chronological order, right? From the most what? recent, from the most recent to the past. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that would be reverse chronological. Uh, yep, yeah, thank yeah. you. Go Huskies. <laughs> State. All right, so this is from, I believe, late August of 2020 when 
The Twins kind of hit a snide for a little bit th- towards the end, uh, towards the middle part of 2020, and we and people started to panic a little bit. And this was me, a couple seltzers in full clip. By the way, this is full clip, so this is about a minute and a half long. Just bear with me. Oh wow! Okay. But here okay. we go. What's up, Score North? Zach and Goff. I'm a couple seltzers in today's uh, Minnesota frustration is brought to you by the Mango White Claw. All right, so the Twins uh, lost their sixth game in a row. They come back home after a rough road trip. Uh, nothing seems to be working right now. I mean, you, even when you jump out to a four-run lead, um, your offense can't get another timely hit. Your defense isn't helping you out. Max Kepler making a mistake in the ninth inning. Luisa Rise not turning a double play, maybe even a triple play. Uh, you're, you're not getting any, nothing's working right now. Rich Hill can't find a strike zone with being a two-pitch pitcher right now with that curveball and 88-mile-an-hour fastball. It's a rough go of it for the reigning AL Central Bomba squad. And the 2020 Twins are obviously not the 2019 Twins. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, like, don't worry. Don't worry. Like, don't get over. Don't, don't, don't worry about this. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Okay, one week ago, they were, what, 10 games over 500. They're on, basically on top of the American League. That was a week ago. I know we're past the halfway point. The trade deadline comes and goes. You didn't, you didn't get a big ad. You didn't do anything. That's okay. Josh Niles is coming back. Okay. The bringer of rain. If that doesn't excite you, you, you need like excitement lessons or to drink some seltzers or something because that dude's still going to come back and be a very important piece. And if he's healthy and ready to go, then you get some time he hits back, and I, I want to see that guy back in the lineup. Byron Buxton should be on his way back. Cody Stashek should be helping Cody things Stashek. out. Let's not panic. Okay, let's not act like the Chicago White Sox team, too, who clearly can't field, is just going to march into the postseason and, and make great plays and be able to come through in this weird thing. No, not at all. Cleveland traded Mike Clevenger the other day, all right? And they still don't get an outfield bat. What's the worry? What's the worry? Calm down. Things are going to turn around. Calm down. What's the worry? Okay, so let, let's, worry? let's take inventory. So, so in your everyone-needs-to-calm-down speech, rah-rah speech there, you mentioned Donaldson's coming back. He'll mm-hmm. be fine. Buxton's coming back. He'll be fine. Cody and don't Stashak. worry, Cody Stashak is amazing. He'll be fine, too. Yeah, so Donaldson and Buxton helped you a lot in the postseason, and Stashak <laughs> uh, was brilliant as he watched one of those home run balls sail yeah. up into the seats. And you were, you, you were, I would say about five in right there. Five oh, I, or six I had the in. deep, I had the deep cut on the shirt there. Yeah, I had the little sunburn yeah. on the neck. The voice yeah, was think, a little bit ragged. Yeah, that was that was definitely one of like those late summer COVID uh-huh. restrictions were getting to me. Also. You yeah. fr- you tried to frame that up as like, hey, I know what's the the twins oh, are gonna totally. be fine. It really it was it was more <laughs> just like trying to you were trying to I think explain to yourself like everything's gonna be okay, okay even though you weren't one hundred percent sure. Yeah. All right, that's pretty. Yeah, uh, it's pretty pretty bad. We'll see what else. See who see All who right. leader in the clubhouse. Leader in the clubhouse. Judd. So this yes. is Judd. And by the way, our yeah. old our old friends, I believe Derek Wetmore and Danny Cunningham are on this audiogram, but it's a it's a Judd take. Okay, it is Judd. Giving his plan to why you can build a great bullpen game in Game oh Two against the New York Yankees in the AL. Yes. <laughs> Martin Perez, innings one and two. Get me okay. six outs. Six outs. Martin Perez, got it. Now I'm going to need you guys help on three and four, but don't go there yet. Okay. The fifth, Trevor May, which is why last night upset me a little bit because Trevor May deserves an inning in this game. We all agree, right? Mm-hmm. One inning. Well, at least one. Okay. We we can amend this. I'm giving okay. you. Okay. I'm Here, giving you a blueprint. Here's the skeleton. The fifth goes to Trevor May. The sixth goes to Tyler Duffy. The seventh, and this is assuming that I've got that lead. 
Okay, because my offense better be coming through, or I'm going to Rami's apartment. I'm going to drag him off his couch right now with a staycation and beat him up. No, they will. Okay, seventh inning, Sergio Romo. Yep. Eighth and ninth, Taylor Rogers. Yeah, exactly. So I only need the third and the fourth. So Duffy goes to May goes to. Well, if, if you want to bring in Duffy, but or, or if you want to bring in, that's what I was going to say. No, no. I explained to Rami. I don't know that I trust him. That that's what I. I told, I said, I know that Bruzdar on Saturday looked fantastic, but it, that's scary. That's a big ask. Sure. So, well, and of course I, it is. I'm, he's on my roster, and I'm not eliminating this. But I think I can get us to a place here. Kyle Gibson? Is he getting an inning? No. He's not going to be in your starting uh, no, rotation? No, I, I don't trust Kyle Gibson. <laughs> I trust. I <laughs> don't trust him. Derek, I trust Smeltzer more right now. What about uh, Zach Littell? Yeah, oh, Littell, I Smeltzer. Okay, I, I think you. I would go Littell after, when? after Perez. So the because you've got the your your openers a lefty, so I would bring good. in a righty after that. Oh, oh! The hottest take in there was the instant dismissal of Kyle Gibson for Devin Smeltzer. Yeah. Well, at that time, Kyle was <laughs> Kyle was nibbling. He wasn't the Kyle that we saw Tuesday night at Target Field. Okay, Mart. Mar- so we just I, I love how on paper it's like oh two innings from Martin Perez, just no, no problem. problem too. Yeah. yeah. Just just two innings from him. Don't worry about any of this. What's on paper, this of- all sounds great. So just get a one nothing lead and then just ride these horses to a one nothing. Well, and here's the best part: a, a, a combined no hitter. The offense was so good at that point that I just assumed, oh, you'll have the lead on the Yankees. Yeah, don't worry, you'll score plenty of runs in yeah, a playoff you'll have, game. Oh, you'll be up by six. Don't worry about it. Oh, <laughs> That's amazing. The, all right, let's break. Okay, playoff skid close. then was like sixteen, I think. It wasn't that bad. All right. All right. Okay. All right. It's not bad. Oh. We got one more. Oh boy. We got one more. Oh this oh, was Phil Mackey. I've, I've, I've never oversold Twins Optimism. No. I don't know what you're going to find here. And given with from... how sustainable this new Bomba Squad is and how great Falvey and Levine have changed the culture, this is Phil saying, I don't think the Twins Brass is getting enough credit. Can I get on a soapbox real quick here, too? Sure. Because I feel like all throughout the last two off-seasons, especially this off-season, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine took so much heat from various fans. Why don't you go out and make a big splash? You're too chicken and the pull-ads are too cheap to sign a Bryce Harper, right? Why don't you go out there and make a big splash? And I think we've broken down enough on this show why that's not always the most prudent thing to do and why it's just not feasible for a mid- to low-market financial team. This front office, let's take a step back here and reflect. As of Saturday (laughs) night when the Twins broke the Major League home run record, baseball has been keeping track of stats since like just after the Civil War for God's sakes and the Twins just hit more home runs in five months of a six month season than anyone has ever hit in the history of baseball in a season this front office put together the greatest power hitting team in baseball history and I almost feel like they're not getting credit is anyone praising Derek Falvey and Thad Levine with the four offseason acquisitions major offseason acquisitions that they made to their lineup when Cruz Scope, uh, C.J. Crone, and who am I missing? There's one more guy. Oh, Marwin Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Yeah. 94 home runs. Yeah. Between those four guys, 94 home runs. I think what should, should be praised, though, oh, is yeah. how much they apparently went to school or learned from the mistakes of, of the previous winter into last. I, honestly, at the time of that, they broke the home run record. Declan has frozen again. Uh, yeah, he's, he, he froze because he knows that, I, that, that yeah. picking that clip was that pick that that clip holds up. I am yeah. fully confident in everything I said there. Now, Dex wins. Now, the, the, the demise of the offense since then. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's been Dex wins to swallow, but because Dex was drunk. <laughs> <laughs>
when he did his. Yeah, and we buzzed. weren't. I was buzzed. I, dude, you you were I borderline. I mean, it's fine. It's a few Celtics in it. it yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, it I'm was all for the sponsor, Declan. No. Nope. I'm, I'm now drunk just, again. You, uh, so you just, just you deserve to be off camera. He's bowing out of the show. That's the new thing. All right, so Declan, put one on the board for Declan. He wins old tweets exposed. This time around, if you really want, actually, we're, we're coming up here on the 10-year anniversary in early June of 2011 of the It's Happening hashtag. So if you really want to do, Fitting. if you want some good, go oh, search, like, my fitting. Twitter handle and It's Happening. And if you can search from, like, June of 2000, June and July of 2011, you know, you'll find some juicy if stuff. If those T-shirts had only shown up a couple of days before they did, you would yeah. probably be, um, you'd be in a mansion right now. You'd be, you wouldn't be working. You'd be in a mansion if two days, two days earlier, I'm you would have moved product. I'm a pretty calm, stoic, level-headed guy <laughs> yeah. when, I'm, when I'm not talking about the Minnesota Twins right. and the Vikings and the Timberwolves and the Wild and the Gophers. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and for Cheryl Reeve and the Lynx. So I don't want her to tweet at me that I didn't mention the links in that sense. Yeah, I got that tweet a couple of days ago from somebody. Um, I think top five most mad I've been in my professional life is when we had the it's happening hashtag going viral. We had the shirts ready to rock and our old marketing director who shall remain nameless slept on like, like we, we, we had to, all we had to do was launch the website and he was like, Oh yeah, it'll just like be a couple more days. And we were like a couple more days. And then they wound up getting smoked in a couple games. They won, then they lost like five games in a row. They were up. They, they had won like fifteen of seventeen games or something, and they were up nine nothing on Madison Bumgarner in the first inning at San Francisco. And everyone was like, "Holy crap, this is happening!" They're yes. like, they went from twenty games under to six games under, and everybody was like, "This is actually like this is legit. you guys weren't joking. This is happening." We could have sold ten thousand t-shirts that day. Oh, you'd be a rich early man days right on now. Twitter. You'd be a rich Anyways, man right now, and maybe, then <laughs> maybe it'll be maybe it's the ten year anniversary. Maybe it'll happen again. There are potentially T shirts still in that building in a box that say it's <laughs> oh, happening. Yeah. I have searched. I think we're out of them, and I used to have. I don't have one anymore. I used to have one last one, and I I don't know if it like didn't make one of the moves over the last ten years. But <laughs> did it get lost in the move to Seattle? But then our best part was we used to have. So we did that, and we had all the t- we sold some T shirts. Like they came back again, but. Yep. Then we had different colored versions for all the different teams. And then we had a switch in the admin of the old 1500ESPN.com where you could literally click a button and it would like, it would turn the homepage into an it's happening store. And like based on whatever team, oh my God, the wild are making a run. Boom, flip the website to the wild it's happening. And there's like t shirts you could buy on the homepage. <laughs> Genius. Good times. You uh, know what? The Mariners might need an it's happening campaign. Uh, uh, they got no uh, hit yesterday. They got no uh, hit yesterday. Yeah. And almost a perfect game, but they've been a pleasant surprise. They have been a pleasant surprise. I did go to one game a few weeks ago. It's a good stadium. It's no target field. It's no it's target not. field. No. It's it's a good stadium. Yeah, it looks cool. I think people people out here love it because they've never been to target field. Is but. the roof like a canopy? Like what what's the roof like? Um it's just like Miller Park basically. It's so oh, okay. but it, but but it doesn't it allows for more sunlight, and it's down by okay. the waterfront too. So you get the water, you get the breeze. Gotcha. Um, and uh, yeah, the game, the game I went to, I believe the roof was open. It was a night game. I was a couple rainier beers in, so I don't nice. fully remember if the roof was open or not. But it was a good time. It was a good, a good time was had by all. It's happening. No, the roof was closed. The roof was closed. Okay, the roof was closed. Yeah, no, that that's fine. 
Yeah. Anyhow, Open all right, close. Declan, congratulations on your yeah, win. Good you. job, Dex. Good, good job, Dex. You look really good right now. <laughs> you never it. looked better. Oh, God. <laughs> all right, and that's a wrap today. Uh, action Movie Rewind makes its triumphant return tomorrow. Sylvester Stallone with an 80s blockbuster, Cobra, is our review tomorrow. So if you haven't watched it, catch up on it. We'll do a full deep dive into a movie that was made <laughs> in the 80s. Yes. We'll say that about it. <laughs> that's right. a very nice thing. All right, see you guys. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.